Welcome to Diverse, the podcast for the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Are you taking full advantage of your SWE membership? Your membership grants you access to SWE Advanced Learning for career and life. Your membership unlocks free and discounted on-demand content 24 hours a day from around the world. The SWE Advanced Learning also has live learning. With multiple tracks, Advance offers something for every career and every stage of your career. SWE's many offerings feature subject matter experts from a wide variety of thought leaders in STEM and leadership. When you want to skill up, turn to Advance first. Access learning at advancelearning.swe.org. Hi, I'm Rachel Morford, President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Tracy Profiter. Tracy's perspective of creativity and diversity in engineering has led to the conception of over 150 patents and has earned her a Deputy Design Engineering position at Pratt & Whitney. She continues to pay it forward as she teaches and learns from fellow engineers and volunteers for Girl Scouts of Connecticut and her daughter's troop. Thanks for joining us today, Tracy. Happy to be here. I want to start with a question about what got you introduced to engineering. Can you walk us through how you first became aware of it as a job and what drew you to it? My mother is actually an engineer and so is my father. So there's a nice history there for me to start out with in my family. If you go through the years, everyone in my parents' generation were engineers. There were electrical engineers. There were a mechanical engineer, um, another mechanical engineer. There were several mechanical engineers and electrical engineers. I think there might have also been an aerospace engineer. And it was funny because... I was far more interested in art and culture and history and making things when I was a child, despite the fact that, you know, all of my parents were very technically minded. But growing up in that environment made it almost second nature to think through things logically. And they were all very surprised when I was a high school student and it was time to start choosing my path. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to be an engineer. And they're like, wait, what? You, you just won you know, art awards and writing awards. And, and okay, you won this industrial arts award, but it, it was still all art. But you're choosing engineering. And I'm like, well, engineering is all about creating. And I like creating. So it was that perfect fit of logic and the ability to create something bigger than myself and help the world in general through creating. So it isn't just one piece of art that I'm making. I get to design the future. I love that. I, I wrote that quote down, actually. Engineering is all about creating and I like creating. I think that's such a amazing way to look at it. And I certainly resonate with growing up with an environment that 
emphasizes logic. My parents both studied physics, and I imagine we had similar upbringings with asking questions and having to go look up things as opposed to being told the answer. Yes. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, Tracy, go look that up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, or, or why do you think that lots of why questions? I remember. Exactly. Totally. There would be times when I'd be sitting in the car with my parents and I would come up with an idea and I would be like, you know what they need to make? And I'd say something. And one time, very pivotal moment in my life, my mom turns around and she said, yes, Tracy, you need to make that. And I'm like, she's right. I can do this. (laughs) So that's how it ultimately kept leading me down the path to becoming an engineer so that I can create those things that I'm thinking up in just those moments. It's all those in-between moments where inspiration happens that make the job rewarding in ways that most jobs can't be. It's that aha moment that so few people get to experience. I get to experience on a regular basis. That's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I imagine your experience, while slightly different than your mother's as an engineer in terms of her education, was still likely you were one of the few women in your classes. What was that like? Yes. So my mother was the only engineer in her class. She actually spent most of her time living in the dorms and There was no one there that could help her through her classes. Instead, she wound up doing a lot of tutoring of the other students. And she was able to guide me in ways that made it possible for me to do even better in school than she did. She very specifically said, okay, when you go in your first class, make sure you turn around and start making connections with other people so that you can create study groups. And then those study groups will help you become a better engineer and be a better student. And also she insisted that I lived off campus in my own apartment and we worked really hard. And I saved my entire life to be able to do that because she knew it would be key for my education that I would be able to focus on my own studies as opposed to helping everyone in the dorm like she did. So she was able to give me a lot of insights of how people would perceive me when I'm in school, the walking into a room and being the only girl there, which happened a lot. There were only three girls in my graduating class. And in reality, each of us would have graduated to different semesters. So we waited for each other so that we could all walk across together and not be alone. But it was very common for me to walk into a room and be the only girl there. And it became unusual when one of the other girls walked into the room as well. We were just like, oh, there's a girl in this course. And it's like, you kind of forget to look in the mirror. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a girl too. (laughs) She taught me things like, hey, Tracy, try not to be intimidating to the guys because they're going to be intimidated by you. (laughs) It's like, you're a girl and everyone else is a boy. And that was some really good advice because I noticed that because I allowed myself to be more comfortable around the guys, that 
they treated me like one of them, like the little sister that, you know, can walk into the room and they'll keep talking. But one of the other girls would walk into the room and it would get deadly quiet. So making sure that you accept the fact that, yes, you are going to be unique in that environment, but you can still fit in and making that effort to fit in. Because when that room gets quiet, you're missing out on a lot of the water cooler talk. And within the water cooler talk, there's a lot of things that get learned that you otherwise won't learn. So just going in, turning around and making connections with the people around you will improve your ability as an engineer and improve your grades and improve your life in general. So she was very pivotal in my education growing up and telling me what to expect when I get there and to be able to just go, okay, so the prejudice sometimes goes both ways. It's like my mother had issues with not just the men thinking less savory things about her, but also the women that were around her because she wasn't doing the regular you know, going for my teaching degrees or my MRS degree. She was going for engineering. She wanted to create something. She wanted to be a part of the future. And the price of that is that you have to be you. However, you have to be willing to accept that some people aren't going to see you as you. And the best thing you can do is to keep introducing yourself into those situations and say, hey, I'm smart. I'm good at this. We can help each other out and we can all get through this together. And we will all make the future a better place for everyone. Wow. Your mom sounds like a truly inspirational woman. And I'm just so honored that you've shared some of this with us today. Pivoting slightly, we talked a little bit in your introduction about how you're very active in the Girl Scouts of Connecticut. And most people I know who are active in the Girl Scouts as adults were Girl Scouts as children. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with the Girl Scouts and what sort of effects that had on you growing up? So I was introduced to the Girl Scouts when my family moved from America to Switzerland. And for the first couple of months in Switzerland, I went to the international school. And when we were there, I joined the Girl Scouts. And even after my parents pulled me out of the international school, I continued going to my troop meetings. And that idea of always being prepared, the the idea that there's always something to learn, to figure out, to expand your horizons and be with other people and be sociable and you know build your own future it was all part of girl scouts back then and it really stuck with me to the point where even in high school i was always prepared like my friends were always surprised at all of the things that i would keep in my purse just in case and it was always unusual and said, oh, we need this. And I just pull it out of my purse. And like, how did you know we were going to need this? I'm like, I just knew. You have to be prepared. 
So it stayed with me my entire life. And now I have a little girl and she was finally old enough to join Girl Scouts. And I've helped the Girl Scouts of Connecticut as volunteering on several of their projects. This summer, I'm going to be co-leading the Think Like an Engineer journey. Uh, Next weekend after next, we're going to be doing the winter exploration. And I'm going to be doing the letterboxing with my daughter's troop. And the thing is, they're also... Girl Scouts today isn't the same Girl Scouts that I was in when I was a little girl, nor is it the Girl Scouts that my mother knew. Instead, they're focused a lot more on STEM. They have so many badges these days, going from coding to writing games and whatnot on the computers to learning aerodynamics to learning about the environment and how water goes from, you know, underground to in the air, the whole cycle of life. All of the badges that they're getting these days are more and more structured toward STEM. And it's introducing these girls to these subjects in ways that the schools simply can't. They're able to build things, they're being, being able to design things and think about the world in a very engineering kind of perspective. They, you know, so like, for example, in college, we would be given a paper bag full of random bits and be told to build a structure that has a specific purpose and can perform a specific job. We're doing that same thing with these little girls and they're coming up with these awesome ideas. And if we keep them interested in this and if they get to lead it their own way, they're going to want to stay in that environment because they can do this. And that is something that Girl Scouts is really good at. They're really good at saying, you can do this. You can do anything you put your mind to. So I'm very proud to be volunteering with the Girl Scouts. And I'm very proud to have a little girl that gets to enjoy and grow in that environment and be safe in that environment. As you were talking about that, Tracy, it reminded me of the stories you told about your mom and and how you were raised and the, the questions that we talked about her asking and her statement about you can do that or, or you, you should design that. And it sounds like the Girl Scouts is giving so many little girls that same messaging. Exactly. And <laughs> as well as building a community, which as I reflect on what you were talking about in the advice your mom gave you about college, that was really what it came down to was, was building your own community within your college experience amongst the other engineers and Mm -hmm. another really important lesson that it sounds like the Girl Scouts are really teaching. Um, And obviously being president of SWE, I'm super excited about the fact they're so focused on STEM activities. I know my first robotic experience as a child was, was certainly life changing. So I'm excited that the next generation is getting that as well. Oh yes. Even the daisies, like, 
for one of my daughter's Daisy thing, she made a little solar powered car that she could drive around and it's just watching her build these things and making the connection with the, oh, this is a solar panel that I can paste onto here. And if I connect it up to this motor, it'll move. So you know, that takes me back to when I was in high school and our physics professor said, okay, everybody's doing a project. You're going to make an electric car. And we're all sitting there looking. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> How do you how do you do that? And all he did, the only thing that our, this professor did was take a battery and take two wires and wrap the wire around a, a nail and created the most simple motor ever. And he says, okay, I have taught you what you need. Go build a car. <laughs> and we're all just sitting here going like, what? <laughs> but that's all we needed. That's all I needed. And that's all these girls need is someone to point them in that direction and give them the freedom and support to do their very best. And it shows every day. Well, and it certainly opens up that door for in the future that will ask, why can't we do this with other things? Why can't we, why can't we have solar powered cars in the world, for example? Exactly. And for anyone who might not be as familiar with the Girl Scouts, Daisy's is the earliest troop level or? Yes. Daisies are your kindergarten and first graders. And so then ages, your brownies. Ages five yeah. to six or so. Okay. Yeah. And then your brownies are your second and third graders. And your juniors are the, my daughter isn't a junior yet, <laughs> is the next three years of school. And you can look it up online, but there, there's definitely progressions that take you all the way through high school. And as each progressive level goes up, they learn just a little bit more detail behind how something is done. So like, for example, what we'll do is we'll have very large events in Connecticut. For example, they have a camp out at Sikorsky for the older girls where they literally go and camp out on the Sikorsky lawn and they get to take tours of the facility and see the, how the parts are being made and assembled. A really unique and awesome experience. Wow. We have other activities where the slightly older girls, so the juniors and on up can travel all over the world as part of the global committee and actually come and experience things in different countries and different states. So, for example, I'm going to be helping a whole bunch of about 15 girls come to Connecticut and explore the shoreline. They're going to be going into the aquarium and learning how to interact with the animals and take care of them and learn about their ecosystems. We're also going to be going to the shore and to the beach and looking at the different climates that are there as well. And we're going to be staying the night at the Mystic Seaport. So they're going to get to learn about how those ships are made. There's a lot of awesome things. We're actually going to be sleeping in the newly renovated, oh, what's that thing called where it puts the 
stars up on the ceiling and you can see it going everywhere. I forget. Anyway. <laughs> I want to say an, it's not an observatory. Is that, yeah, is that, an it might be. Okay. Is it an observatory? It might be an observatory. Anyway, they're going to be staying in the observatory and being able to look up at the ceiling and see the stars at that wow. particular night. And then they're also going to be staying in tents and learning to socialize and get to know other girls from all around the world. And these are experiences that they will treasure for the rest of their lives. And it's a community that most definitely keys right into SWE because all these girls are truly interested in STEM. They're truly interested in learning about the science and technology and the engineering and the math that makes our world as awesome as it is. Wow. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity. I think I'd like to go and participate in that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you work as an engineer at Pratt & Whitney. I'm curious how you connect your career to your involvement with the Girl Scouts, which is obviously a huge passion for you. Well, a lot of the connection comes from my daughter, but a lot of it also comes from that need to share that girls can do this, that they can be just as innovative and part of the future of technology as any man can be. We're just as smart. We're just as capable. We just have to build our own communities that make us feel comfortable and willing to do it. And Girl Scout definitely does that. I watched Pran Whitney over the past 10 years go from an environment where I walk into a room and I'm the only girl to an environment where there's at least another girl in the room. And even now they're trying desperately to get to parity between men and women in engineering. And that's only going to happen if you start promoting it from a young age, telling Absolutely. these girls that they can do this. This Absolutely. is something that they will find incredibly rewarding. So. Absolutely. And, and I imagine you bring that approach and philosophy to your job at Pratt & Whitney. Most definitely. I, I will teach anyone who is willing to ask questions. So it's funny, I can sit there with someone and they'll come in with a very specific question, but I'm always trying to make sure that I give them the history behind the choice and make sure that they look at the other options that could have happened there and start asking the questions of, well, okay, so we've done it this way before and you're doing it this way. How can this be done a little differently that will be a little safer, a little better, a little easier to make. And then going into, okay, so this is how it's made. How can we make the person who's making the object's life easier? You know, can we just change this angle? Can we get rid of this extra part? Can we just start asking the question, what if? Never be afraid to ask what if. And it Unusual because a lot of the times when someone comes and asks me a very simple question like this, we'll sit there and we'll start coming up with brand new ideas that no one has ever thought of before. And all of a sudden they're sitting there and they're going like, 
okay, this will work. And I'm like, great, let's put in a patent disclosure. And they're just like, wait, what do you mean a patent disclosure? I'm like, yeah, no one's done this before. We need to put in a patent disclosure. And they just, they leave me beaming because they have brought something brand new to this world. And they're going to get the proof of that in a patent. And helping them through that process and showing them that it isn't so scary to innovate and be that you know, spark in the dark is so rewarding. And yeah, it's just rewarding. I love that because I think a lot of people are intimidated by the thought of filing for a patent. And you have so many, and we've recognized 150, well, more than 150 of your patents through SWE, through the SWE Patent Awards, which for anyone who doesn't know, if you've received a patent in the last few years, you can apply or be nominated for a SWE Patent Award. And it's our way of recognizing the innovation and achievement of creation that our members have participated in. So first of all, congratulations for your more than 150 SWE Patent Awards, Tracy. Uh, Thank you. But I think that 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 attitude and what you just described, that philosophy of asking what if, and going back to earlier in our conversation about the the lack of intimidation or, or being open to that community and really plays into, it sounds like you getting all of these patents or in helping others to get patents as well. You know, no one's going to bite. And if you find someone that does bite, you don't have to work with them. You can go and find a different community that will support your innovations. You want to find someone who's willing to look beyond the can't and figure out how it can be done. So, for example, when I was in a very young engineer, I had one particular person that I was like, okay, we have this problem and I think this might be a solution. And all he responded back to me was, no, you can't do this because of this. No, you can't do this because of that. And none of them were really good reasons. It was all a matter of, he didn't have the vision to see beyond the very acute details of something that was written on the back of an envelope. So I stepped back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just talk to somebody else. And I wound up finding someone else to collaborate with. And we were able to make it work. And that was one of my first patents is eventually you just have to keep trying to find someone that you can collaborate with and build those ideas with understandings that you might not have yet, but you will get them. So. To give you an idea, my very first patent, I went in and I was looking at something and I actually had a really good mentor at the time. And I'd only been doing my job for you know, less than six months. And I looked at it and I said, well, what if we did this instead? And the room got quiet. He's like, yeah, why don't we do that instead? <laughs> <laughs> so. Your ability to innovate has nothing to do with how old you are or how long you've been in the industry. Yeah. It has everything to do with just asking, what if? What if we just did 
this instead and what finding I mean, someone who can who can help you figure out the rest of fleshing out that what if and i think so many of us hear innovation and we think of the the big the big things and of course i'm struggling to come up with an example <laughs> right now but we think of the like the iphone for example right that was the big right that's a big innovation but i think what's critical about how you're describing innovation is that it's it's asking the the question about something that you do every day or work with every day and how can you make a slight change or improvement to that and that is just as innovative and just as important and critical to in to furthering our our world and the field of engineering as that big splashy press grabbing thing we are all standing on the shoulders of giants we are just the next rung in a ladder that has been developing since the dawn of man from the first time that a human took a stick and whacked it against a tree to get an apple to fall, to holding your iPhone in your hand and being able to research how best to pick apples now. All of that happened because one engineer learned from another engineer who learned from another engineer who built off of that time and again. And it's exponential in its growth, which is why what we're seeing since, you know, the Renaissance, technology has been developing faster and faster and faster because more and more people are able to build on the foundations of those that came before us. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It could simply be, I'm going to turn left instead of turning right. And it make all the difference in the world. Wow. This has been such an inspiring conversation for me, Tracy. Thank you. If there's one piece of advice that you could give to young girls who are thinking about a career in engineering, what would it be? The same advice my mom gave me. Nothing worth having is easy, but this is worth having. This is worth doing. This can define you for not only your lifetime, but will define you and your ancestors and your children throughout eternity. You can make a difference, but you've got to put in the work. I just got chills. <laughs> That's incredible and such important advice. And I think not just for young girls, but all of us who are in engineering who might be struggling with a problem or looking for a new career. That's just really powerful. Thank you, Tracy. You're very welcome. I'm Rachel Morford. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening and happy Women's History Month. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to leave us a review and share this episode with your social network. Thanks for listening.